Welcome to a brand new episode of Squeaky Boom Time. I'm sadly <laughs> alone. Mike Thielen's laughing there. He's the guest here. He knows exactly what that term means. Uh, sadly, Kish can't join us today. He's a little bit preoccupied, but it's okay because the stars of the show are our guests, Jose Enrique and Mike Thielen. Mick Thielen, Michael Thielen. Yeah. Many, many names. Uh, I'm just going to get straight to it. This show, I just bring up topics and then we just see where it goes. So today's one is settling into a new country, player's perspective and a manager coaching staff's perspective. How difficult it can be, what the staff can do to help players, how it's come along over the years since you've been involved in management. So no better place than with you, Jose. Okay. Spain to, of all places, Newcastle. It was difficult. It was tough my first year. I think it's different now because you have a lot more the clubs involved in with all you have other players as well that they can speak the language even if they are not Spanish in my case they could be Brazilian they could be Portuguese that they speak still the language in my case it was tough I was 21 I went there didn't speak the language at all they didn't put any translator I remember even you know Solano Solano who used to play in Newcastle Novi well. Solano Novi Solano yeah He's, I think he's her nephew or something like that. His nephew, his, her nephew. Your drink is uh, here, by the way. Thank you. Um, she helped me to try to put internet in the house in that time. And obviously the clubs do everything for you in that time. I tried to put internet in the house. So, <laughs> so I need to find the help outside the club. And I remember they booking the flights as well for me when I wanted to go back to Spain or people coming to see me. And I thought, oof, this is very expensive. Look myself, half of the prices. Hey, yeah. what, what these guys, you know, uh, it was it was it was tough to get used to the place. But to be honest, when I got used to, I loved it, the UK. But it's very very difficult. I think when you are really young, more and and now I think it's even even more easy to adapt. But at the same time, the players are getting even more pay now. So with that age, is I don't know, it's tough to change the country when you don't speak the language. And I didn't at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what about yourself, Mike? Because you would have had people from literally across the entire globe, South America, Asia, Europe. Yeah, once the, um, sort of once the gates opened up to the, sort of the foreign travel and, and, and football has been available to come into the, into the big football world in, in England, then it became more, there was more planning involved, you know, so you had to find out a little bit more detail about the player and the player's background and things like that, just so that... When he came into the country, you could help him settle or, like you say, if you needed a translator, you know, most of the time we needed a translator for the manager, let alone the players that were coming in. <laughs> was, but, was that your role? Did you have to translate for the manager? No, 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 no. He was, he was fine. But a lot of the time the players, you know, sometimes came to me and said, you know, what does he mean by that? And <laughs> what's the phrases mean? And these sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really difficult time. But you put those those things in place now. You know, and it's pretty straightforward now. It's like a checklist that you go through and they uh, they come in, you sort out sort of accommodation straight away. You know, it used to be that you'd go into a, an apartment or a flat or some rented thing and then, and then the club would then look for whatever you wanted. You know, was it a house you wanted? Was it a flat in the city centre or, or was it something completely different? So all those things suddenly came into place, but you, have, you employ people to do that. So we, um, as a football club, Manchester United, I think they outsourced in the beginning, but then they brought it in-house and uh, they had a team of people that just took care of it. And those people obviously come out of education, they've got languages, so they can straight away step in to help. The player sometimes is one of the easiest people to, uh, to work with yeah. because they come to work every day. 
you know so they come in for training and then they gradually pick up sort of the, the the environment more quickly than say families and wives or girlfriends or whatever so they need a lot more help i think than than possibly the player and that is an important thing that you put this around them and it just gives them that that sort of breathing space to settle schools are a big thing if you've got children huge thing where are they going to go and what's the relationship that they have at school and, and obviously sometimes religion plays a part now has, you know? has anybody ever had to stay with you no nobody's had to stay with me my house was always full of my kids <laughs> <laughs> everything but no they uh, i lived i live quite a way out from the city so most of the players want to be either nearer to the training ground or, or within the city centre because that's where the, the, the vibe is really at times. And then obviously when they, they settle in a bit more, they, they find an area where they want to live yeah. or where the wife tells them that they've got to go and live. Sort of no, thing. Normally. <laughs> normally. <laughs> neighbours? Any, any uh, squad players were neighbours? Oh yeah, a lot, of a lot of the time they would go into certain areas where they felt comfortable knowing that another player was there. Now whether that's good, bad or indifferent. I mean, I remember when I was a player and I went even from from sort of Burnley to Norwich, which was a million miles away in them days, um, I, I ended up buying a house which was, what was a four, four other team players on the same sort of cul-de-sac. Oh, and it got, the, it got the name Canary Close, yeah. you know, and, uh, but there was Steve Bruce there, Dave Watson was there, Wayne Biggins was there, I moved in there, which was great for a small period of time, but then obviously you want to branch out a little bit yourself yeah. and yeah. get away from that. But uh, yeah, it can, it's a difficult time. It is a really difficult time, but it's also quite a, a fun time as well, you know. But the, the funny parts are when they learn, they're driving and they drive on the wrong side of the road and they, they always want the fast cars. They never want sort of the family car. So they end up, you know, with a few bumps and scrapes along the way or get lost when they're coming to the training ground. Was it the ground? <laughs> was there anybody who opted for the sensible car, though? Yeah, there would be some, you know, but in these days now, they don't just have one car. Yeah, you know, one true. car was a privilege. Now it's two and three cars. You know, they have they have Monday's car, Tuesday's car, Wednesday's car, Thursday's car, Friday's car. It depends. Car. No, obviously, yeah. obviously, <laughs> That's true. obviously, all the footballers are like this. Yeah. For me, for example, my first two years in La Liga, I was with a Volkswagen Golf, you know, and I was playing in first division already, and, and I love it. Then when I moved to Newcastle, obviously, my contract was much better. And then I got the car I like it, but I actually like big cars more than 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 race yeah. one. It, yeah. it depends the player. Mostly, hundred percent agree. Yeah, the straight away as soon as they have a even normal contract, depends the player, <laughs> they go and buy a big one. Uh, you know. But be honest with me. If you have to choose one former teammate or squad player, whoever it might be, to drive you from A to B, who would it be? Oof. Definitely no Balotelli. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll probably set up a firework yeah, yeah. in the car, right? Definitely no Balotelli. And if I have one to drive me... Who do you trust to drive you? I could trust many, I think. Stevie G, you can trust him. Is he know. slow and steady? I believe, obviously, I'll be behind him. Obviously, I, I don't live with him, yeah, so I'm yeah. not sure. But yeah, it looks like, yes, not with a younger player. 100% no, because they, they would like to run a lot. But in Liverpool, for example, why in, in, in Newcastle, I remember with Colocini once, he has a Bentley, very, very, very good car as well and very fast. And yeah. I went one with him in the car and I say, no more with you, I'm sorry, no more. You know, Jonas, 
Jonas was okay in the car. Wasn't too bad, to be honest with you. Pepe Reina, since he likes a party, like he, he loves, he loves, he goes fast. Yeah, I thought Pepe. so. Yeah. <laughs> singing in the car? Yeah, singing in the car, but it's fast as well. Very, very fast. No chance. I he... remember we went for dinner once to Manchester. And I'm not going to say the speed, just in case they find him even now. <laughs> but I remember in the motorway, I was with Amy as well. And, and we were going back and all the sudden a Porsche Carrera or something like that. I think he had in that time. And like, like a plane, you yeah. know, like. That's because he was trying to get out of Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I was like, oh my God. And the day after I talked to him, he said, no, even I remember the helicopter, the police, tried, and they stopped me, but they were Liverpool fans, didn't find me and say, well, if they find you that day, they take your license. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think that they are stronger than these days, the police as well. They are a lot stronger now. You never know. I was just reading a story. Uh, if you watch Game of Thrones, Kit Harrington's character, it yeah. was a big, like, is he going to live or is he going to die? And he got stopped for speeding. And they said, your, what happens next depends on your answer. Are you alive <laughs> next season? And he said, yes. Okay, please be, uh, drive safely. We'll see you uh, so in got, the future. The policeman got the yeah. scoop, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he got the yeah. scoop straight there and there. <laughs> what about yourself? Who's going to be driving Mike Thielen around wherever it might be? Uh, certainly not my wife. Oh. Um, she's not the greatest driver. Because she'll ask you to drive. Uh, so, yeah. Please, put that, that clip and we send it to her. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should. Um, when it comes to players, when I was younger, you know, and I, I, I couldn't afford a car, but I was getting lifts off senior players and they were very sensible drivers, you know, but people wouldn't know these players if I, if I mentioned them. But certainly, say, at Man United, I would never really jump in a car with a football player. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, it was too risky. I would also never jump into a car with Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, even though I did many times, because he was quite a, quite a driver. You know, he's uh, he's he's very focused on going forward. Not anything behind him, he's not doesn't care about. You know? Okay. So it was quite a, quite a journey sometimes with with Mr. Ferguson. Yeah, Sir Ferguson. Sir Ferguson. Sir Tipbuff. For you, you call him Alec. I've seen it. I have to call him <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson at all times. I have got no relationship with him. But driving, what about yourself? Rate yourself as a driver, Jose. Obviously, when we're younger, I like speeding. No, never crazy. Eh? I never went like people 200 something kilometers per hour. I never went, I've been in that speed. Never been that. Because I'm actually scared, for example, even, I don't know how you call it, the rides, no? You, the rides. Roll, and all of roller coasters. That. Roller coasters and all of that. I don't like it. So I don't like scary things, you know? And even on the car, I'm careful. But I remember once, actually, with Amy. Um, my car, one, the, I think my Porsche Panamera was uh, like in bad situation, so they didn't give me a Porsche Carrera, but the newest one with the biggest engine and everything like that. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know how to drive a car like that. I never drive it. And I remember in a corner, it was the, the first month or so that I was with Amy. So I, I was in a corner, so I said, I'm going to so off a little bit, you know. <laughs> and, and I accelerated, and the car went like that. And I was like, white, you know, like yeah. that. And I said, okay, never again, you know. So I've never been a, a speedster, a speedster with, the, with the car. But it's true that in the motorway, you like to go a little bit faster than you should. It's true. But never been. Yeah, but it's true. You can't, exactly. now, you can't go faster because they're all 50 miles an hour now. Yeah, but in road, Spain, for example. With the road works and everything yeah. now in, in England. A, in, a, in England, for, they're very strict. But in Spain, for example, 120 uh, yeah, kilometers per hour up, yeah. is the maximum. But you just get a fine until 148. They don't take any points. In England, you know how it is. Yeah, you go right. two, three miles already, that's points, right. everything, yeah. they kill you. 
in in Spain, they'd rather to take your money. You know, it's, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> Find them in the place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And a spoiler for what happens in the next season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Rate yourself as a driver, Mr. Phelan. Um, I consider myself pretty steady, you know, but uh, other people will probably say that I don't concentrate enough sometimes. Particularly when you're sort of involved in football or, you know, and you've got something on your mind, sometimes it can drift, you know, and certainly can drift when you've got a poor result or a poor day at work, then, you, you know, your mind's on other things. So you've got to refocus and slow down a little yeah. bit. But I'm not a... I'm not a speed merchant, even though I like to touch a little bit of high speed now and again, just to make sure that the car gets its exhaust blown out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the car feels good. <laughs> but um, but no, I'm, I consider myself okay. I've had a few speeding fines, don't get me wrong. And, uh, we all know. We I've, all never know been, I've never been banned, or, or touch wood, I've touch, never been banned. Yeah, definitely touch wood. What about transport when it comes to going to matches? Have you ever had any uh, interesting bus journeys, for example? Oh, very interesting one to Newcastle. <laughs> to Newcastle. In Newcastle to, to the to the ground. Uh, I went to so I have a we I used to live in Newcastle in Jets Bondin house. Okay, so it's very close to town. Then I moved to Pontilan after. That is outside of the city. And I remember I had a pasta for lunch and actually in my contract I had that after twenty five games, like many contracts, my contract was a little bit up and that game was my twenty fifth. Okay. And we play against Sunderland. It was a derby in St. James's Park. It was my first season. Couldn't speak one word of S, of, <laughs> of Spanish. Oh, of English, sorry. So I had some pasta at home. I eat it. And I didn't feel my stomach and everything didn't feel 100%, you know? But in that time, you go with a suit, everything, you know, to, to the game. And I say, I need the toilet, but I think I'm fine. You know, I'm going to be on the way and I, I will be fine, you know? Get in the car. Start driving, start driving, start sweating, yeah. you know, start sweating, take my tie off, you know, yeah. my jacket, keep going, keep going. And I didn't know Newcastle too much, you know, it was just that season really. And I remember when you arrived to Newcastle with the car, um, I, was, I was with the car here, the stadium was in that side, and I was seeing, okay, I arrived there, then in the Newcastle Park, you park next to the, to, to the pitch, really. And then a, a guard get your car and take it, but then you have to walk to the dressing room. And I was in that way, and I say, no chance I get to the toilet in time doing that. No <laughs> chance. So I, I went and I stopped in the first bar I seen. And I stopped the car, put the, the four lights, and jump in. I went in, didn't realize it was obviously matching against Sunderland, and it was a proper supporter <laughs> Newcastle bar. Yeah. Get in, everyone turn. Enrique? And I said, yeah. It's, oh, Enrique, everyone is standing, saying, no, wait, wait. <laughs> Went to a toilet, ran out, obviously, do my needs in the toilet. Came out, everyone taking pictures. Guys, I go late to the game, need to go. The way I could say it, because obviously I didn't <laughs> speak English, say so I need to go, go to the car. In that time, now you have keys that obviously you open the car automatically yeah. without needing the key to open. In that time, it wasn't like that. So I went to open, so, my keys. <laughs> Is my keys, the car. Oh no. You know, imagine call my brother. My brother called the intermediate, the person that did the deal to speak with the club that I didn't have the keys of the car. I was close to the stadium, but I couldn't make it. You know, <laughs> making that time my partner to come, you know, and bring me the other key. But in that time, obviously, take. I was, when I arrived to the stadium, it was 
nearly to go in warm-up. So I arrived, get changed, and go in warm-up. Actually, I started the game. I don't know how wow. it was Kevin Keegan. No, it was Kevin Keegan. It was the manager, I think it was. Yeah, Kevin Keegan, I think it was. Um, imagine I arrived there. I said, well, how, did, how this happened? You know, in arrest through the decision, I start to change. And I realized that I have the key in my sock. <laughs> in your sock? In my sock. You know, like, because I went that desperate to the toilet, just... that I didn't even realize that I put it there. So I was changing, and all of a sudden I look, at, and I see a, a, a big thing there. I say, oh my God, I say, I'm not going to tell anybody <laughs> this, you know. Until now. Until now, obviously. But that's, that will happen. So it's, it's an interesting one. Obviously, he was so mad, Kevin Keegan. I couldn't explain myself either, because I didn't speak the language. So it was a bit, a bit bad, but that probably is the, one of the biggest ones that happens to me. Did you win the game? We won the game. Oh. Yeah, we won the game. Yeah, and it was 25 games as well, so it was good. But I actually got surprised how he played me because I couldn't explain myself, and you could see he was really pissed off at me. You know, <laughs> really, really, really mad at me. Yeah. I understand why, you know, but listen, listen, I, I can't explain you properly, you know. But I explained that my brother when I call him, he couldn't believe me. Say, you are serious? I say, I'm very serious. I couldn't get to the to the stadium. If not, I put, I literally, I put myself yeah, before yeah. I get there, you know? So that's, that's <laughs> what happens. Yeah. It happened few, but that's probably one of the, the most big ones. You and your son have got some issues. Even here, the other <laughs> yeah, night, the other night he had his... Yeah, but well, here I have an excuse. You, are very, you have a very spicy food here. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, that's Despite, different. Yeah, I guess, perhaps, <laughs> different standards. What about yourself, Mike? I, I can't mean, top that. <laughs> have you ever had a, a scary bus drive or anything? I mean... A uh, scary bus drive? No, not... Uh, All drives not, have been... Well, certainly when I was a, a player travelling to Norwich, Norwich from sort of Burnley in those days was like six hours drive. Yeah, it was quite yeah, That's by car, not that's by, by car. bus. Yeah, that's so bus car. will be even slower. Yeah, so, just, so definitely slower. So I used to... Um, obviously, I was playing a game, then driving back back north, really, because I, uh, I was engaged at the time to my, to my now wife. So that was my... I played a game and I'd be in the car and driving, but going back... Oh, I used to go back on the uh, on the Sunday. You couldn't unless you stopped on the way. Uh, get to Norwich on a full tank of petrol. It's impossible. So I used to drive sort of four hours, five hours, and then rather than fill up like you know you would normally do at some, but there wasn't there wasn't many sort of garages along the way neither. They were all sort of intermittent. I used to pull into a lay-by on the night. So on the Sunday night, I'd pull in and I had a sleeping bag in the back of my car. And I used to sleep the night in the lay-by and then drive in on Monday morning. I used to stop with... There used to be small restaurants and people in England will remember these. They were called Little Chefs. I remember Little Chef, yeah. Well, there were a few of those on the way to Norwich. And I used to stop in one of them for my breakfast in the morning and then just drive straight into the training ground, you know. And I, I used to park the car in the lay-bys where all the lorry drivers were, you know. And I used to always park in between two lorries, so I felt safe <laughs> in between the two lorries. So I thought if anybody turns up, or they'll, they'll nick a lorry rather yeah. than a car, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it was, yeah. it's all the, all the things that you remember, you know, which are foolish, but they were fun as well. Yeah. But journeys from Norwich, you know, even by bus, it was crazy. You know, we, in my time, not certainly not in, in uh, Ozzy's time, but we would travel from Norwich to get to a game in the northwest, say, which would take six hours. And in, in those days, the drivers could only drive four hours, you know, and clubs were a little bit tight then with the purse strings, so they wouldn't put two drivers on. It was always one. Yeah. So you'd have to stop four hours in for at least an hour before you can start again. So every hotel coming north 
which would stay two hours away probably from the ground, which is incredible really before the game the next day. But going back, it was even better really. It was better for the players because we would jump on the bus and we would always have to stop on the way back. And the culture of the time was, if there's a public house or a pub nearby or on the way, stop, couple of beers, back on the bus, fish and chips, and you were, you'd done your hour of rest and then you were back to Norwich. And we got back to Norwich in some states sometimes, whether we'd won, lost or drawn, you know, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was an incredible <laughs> moment. What, you brought the fish and chips, I want to know, what's the difference between a post-match meal or pre-match meal in Spain and England? Or is it now the same, just pastas and... To, to be honest, in Spain, in the time I played there, with Pellegrini, for example, in Villarreal, we had pizza after the game. It wasn't Ooh. an issue, it wasn't an issue. And for example, I remember in Villarreal, it was, it, it's not a big town, Villarreal. So it was yeah, just right. one McDonald's there, yeah. really. And I remember after the game, you could see in the queue of McDonald's at home games, uh, we were half of the team getting McDonald's, <laughs> you know? Obviously now it's completely different, even in the UK. You, you still can do that, but the, the, the food is more taken care of. By my time, anything really. You can have pizza, McDonald's. As soon, obviously they weigh you and everything like that, but as soon as you were in your weight, it didn't matter, it didn't matter. Yeah, Time's it's... strange, I guess, from when you were having fish and chips and stopping by the pub yeah, now. I had my first, what you would call, uh, steak, proper steak, fillet steak or sirloin steak it was then, when I was 18. And that was through football. And the pre-match in, in those days in, at football, when I was at Burnley, was a was a, a steak, a sirloin steak, three hours before the game. That's heavy. And it used to just be a piece of steak and that was it. And, um, and and that that's changed immensely now, you know. And some of the clubs I went to, even before I went to Manchester United, the the players used to have a what was it, what was it sort of what was it called then uh, a buffet lunch or a or a sort of as much as you could eat sort of lunch, you know. So it would be Yorkshire pudding, gravy, steak, all that. Lot. And this this was like three hours before a game. Sometimes they would have that, and it's the worst thing you probably could have but then it changed it changed and the influences of, of overseas players as well changed the mentality yeah. of that you know and it flipped to rice pasta boiled chicken i still can't look at a boiled chicken now this day and age you know i've had enough boiled chicken to last me a lifetime <laughs> and it's not the most pleasant sight on your plate a boiled chicken believe you me but certainly the rice came in the pasta and like you say pizzas after a game were, were, were probably the easiest food to get yeah. and most cl football clubs would put some into your dressing room as well you know, so you, uh, but a lot of players nowadays, they don't really, they don't eat a lot immediately after the game now, but yeah. they have lots of these supplement drinks yeah. and, and fruit things, and yeah. fruit and, and things like that. Yeah. And then they, they, they obviously go home and have their meal, meal at home. Something yeah. that surprised me a lot in the UK is like when I went in Liverpool already, before the game, they used to one day before the game. So imagine we play Saturday and Friday for lunch after the game. You have a lot of desserts to eat. Yeah. And they say, no, it's good for you to eat this because like this, you have more carbs for tomorrow, you know? And really it's no. Yeah, But in Liverpool it was like that until obviously Brennan, with Brennan it's still the same, but with Klopp, Klopp changed that. 
but it was it was actually something that I, in in Spain was a lot of, yeah after the game you could have your pizza your McDonald's but normally with sweets yeah drinks, we we drinks, always all of that. we always was to we were told that uh, seafood the night before a game you know like prawns and yeah. things that's a no no just in case you know with with sort of raw seafood or whatever, you, you could have a possible reaction to that. I don't know whether that's true, but we was always fed that line mm. that avoid the seafood, don't eat seafood. But now everything's taken care of. The menus are taken yeah. care of. You've got nutritionalists. It's just completely changed. Yeah. And it's uh, it's just they eat, they probably eat less, well, not less, smaller meals, but more of them now. Yeah, yeah. You know, rather than the staple three meals a day sort of thing. And, and, I, and I think it depends on the player as well. For me, yeah. I, three hours before the game, I could eat a, a good quantity and I actually felt better. And for example, I'm going to put you, because he really surprised me this, Luis Sade, for example, we used to play at three o'clock in the afternoon and he has some pineapple and some strawberries in the training ground at 12 o'clock and that's it. And he didn't have any breakfast. And that was his food yeah. because he said he didn't feel well if he has food. You feel heavy. And yeah. I said, well, if I had just that, I faint. Yeah, I, I could never get my head round when you used to get up for the early kickoffs, you know, like the 12 o'clock kickoffs yeah. for the 12.30s in the morning. And that's like you're three hours before kick. So nine o'clock in England, that's breakfast time. But when you get up, when it's a f around the football environment, pasta, salad, vegetables. And I was like, whoa, you know, I'm, I'm a coach now. I didn't want to eat that sort <laughs> yeah, of stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, but, but they would, they'd eat a bowl of pasta at that time of day and I used to think wow that's that takes some doing that to, to actually wake up and face a bowl of pasta yeah, first yeah, yeah. thing but I suppose they just get used to it they, yeah they just it's becomes a, a routine I suppose I know Rooney talked about that but there's been a, a few pundits that have come to Malaysia and they're shocked that what we have for breakfast here which can be noodles or rice uh, you guys had it with with me yesterday for lunch. We had the traditional Malaysian, you know, the nasi lemak. So you had like the sauce and the coconut rice and the chicken. The reason that place was packed is people come there for breakfast from like eight and in the morning. They have that for that, that's for, that's yeah, a but breakfast. Yeah, by the time meal. we wake up, now we're over here. It's three o'clock in the afternoon and it's breakfast time. Yeah, for us. it is true. <laughs> and it's uh, some of the guys can't get over it. Some of our guests they, they can't wrap their minds around the fact that we're having I rice. Think, I think it's culture, you know. Obviously, you have to respect it, but I will not be able to have that in the morning in Spain, for example. Mm. Uh, in Spain, we have our toes. You know, I don't know. Maybe your special K, the typical special K. I noticed quite a bit with the, know, with the Spanish boys at, at United at times. They like the, uh, like the, the not the, the soda bread, sort of the, the, the more firmer bread with the, the chopped tomatoes. You used yeah. to have the, like a, and it was like a paste. Yeah, yeah. And then they'd put something on top of that, like maybe a fried egg or something. And that was, I, I saw that quite a lot with a lot of the, the Spanish guys, that they like yeah, that omelets, in a moment. Omelettes, like yeah. yeah. Very like? straightforward, but put a little bit of tradition in there, a little bit of culture in there that they brought with them. Well, and the well, hams, of course, you know, the yeah, sliced oh, yeah, yeah. oh, You know, that is pretty tidy, that is yeah, nice, yeah, that, yeah. isn't it? It's nice, uh, it would be remiss of me not to ask this. Is it true that the pudding stopped amongst the players because of Cristiano last year? There was a story during the rounds. They Actually, it was given in an interview. didn't stop with the staff. <laughs> um, no, they were always there. I mean, Things get blown out of proportion, yeah. I suppose. You know, he 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 was a very tidy eater. You know, he'd obviously learned throughout his career what to eat and what not to eat, yeah. and that's probably why he's still playing at 38 years of age. Whereas the rest of us, we just we carried on as normal. But they were there. You know, you could have various different desserts, uh, and 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 you know they went down very well. 
But you've got to be careful, you see, as a staff member and a player, it's, a it's the same menu, but it's completely different when it comes to your body. You know what I mean? So if you eat like a football player, you're going to put the pounds on if you don't, yeah. you know? And I'm, you can look at me and, and, and see that. Aging gracefully, do. that's what yeah, I'll say. Yeah, well, or disgracefully. No, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, I've got to also ask this, because when it comes going full circle to how I discussed uh, everything at the start, joining a club and all of that, what's the best initiation you've ever seen? Or what have you been asked to do in an, an initiation at a club? <laughs> it's Newcastle as well. <laughs> Sam Allardyce. It was funny though. <laughs> big Sam. Big Sam, big Sam. Yeah. It, first of all, it's actually funny this because I never experienced that. So I, I arrived there. He was watching the game I was playing against Barcelona with Villarreal. So I don't think he really knew who I was. So actually, I was maybe a signing of the club, really more than his sign. Than the manager, yeah. Yeah. And he said, Messi, nothing, you know, something like that. <laughs> and then they start to, I remember, go. And as soon as I arrived, I said, no, can you put your boots and everything? And I, I remember when I signed for Newcastle, I arrived with a tie Armstrong. It wasn't pool or anything. So in a few days, I will be able to train with the team, but not just yet. So I arrived, and in Newcastle training ground, they have a inside pitch, okay, that is covered. Obviously, you I've need been it. there, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. You yeah. need it in Newcastle. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you need it. Um, so we went inside and I started to do me the, the, peak, the, the bleep test, test, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and my yeah. brother was watching there, and I was doing it. And I look at him and say, "What I'm doing? I can't even <laughs> sign the contract yet. I can't injure me now, you know." So he does that. After another thing that happened very strange, I go to the doctor, I start to touch everything, my knee, everything like that, and then he came to my balls <laughs> and touched my balls, and I say. He's touching my balls. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're thinking this in Spanish. You probably yeah, can't Spanish, communicate thinking, with him. Thinking, and my, my yeah. brother was there, and he looked at me and I started laughing and said, my, my brother, I said, why, why he's touching my balls? <laughs> you know? And he said, no, and the doctor explained that, Andy, you are 25, it's the cancer or whatever, the testicular cancer or whatever in that time. So I said, okay, okay, but he's touching them for 10 yeah. minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really tough to touch yeah. my ball now. He's testing you know? it to see yeah. if you've got so, some. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. you need it and you've got so some. So it's funny stories like that. <laughs> then another one, and then I let you talk that one, but this one was one of the funniest of Sam Allardyce. I remember, imagine a full pit, full pit. And Sam Allardyce used to have his phone with him. In that time, obviously, it wasn't internet, so he has probably his Nokia or whatever, his coffee. He put the microphone like a singer, you know, like that. And then he has two physios at the side of the pit, you know, with two massive speakers, you know. So, with, for example, I was the defender, so the officials, they were in this line, put the ball forward, <laughs> and the officials with the speakers following where the ball goes. Like this, when he speak, everyone could hear him. Yeah. But you could see the officials with massive speakers, <laughs> yeah. one is like this, said, they're gonna kill themselves, yeah. you know. And then you were playing, and he was drinking his coffee as well, and maybe like, and you were playing, he wasn't talking, all of a sudden you heard. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, or a message to his phone, like, yeah. you know, like, you are playing, you say, 
and I finish, my friends, they used to come over a lot to Newcastle as well, my brother and everything. I say, this is no, this is no, no. it cannot be in every team here in the UK like yeah. this, you know. So it, with Sam, it's a lot of fun experiences, though. Lots, 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 lots. Welcome to England. Welcome to Big Sam. 100% winning yeah. record with England, I should add, as a manager. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about any initiations no, during in your my, time? In my time, there was none, none of that as a player. Not They didn't do it in, when I went in as a coach and everything, the players. But the players would with each other you know like new players they always had to sort of step up and do a song or some kind of thing and over the years they all seem to they all seem to get better the songs you know or, or and then they had the the telephones with the music on so they would play the music and sing at the same time and some died a death you know like the players would stand up and wave the white flags and yep. sit down and boo them and all that. <laughs> and other times some really surprised you you know some of the young kids they were well into it you know and they would give you the full routine you know the, yeah, yeah. the moves the dance routines and and all this so it was for me that was a I would never have been able to do that. You know, and some of them also teamed up, so they might have formed themselves into two or three people, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and then they all had a little sing-song together. So it, it actually created a really good atmosphere, you know, because it was... But it's a, it's a fear factor thing. Can you get over that? Uh, can you get over that moment? And some of them were, were extremely, extremely good. Of all the singers you saw, who would be great on The Voice then? Or one of those reality shows? Oh, Nemanja Matic was good. Matic, yeah, he was really good. Yeah, he, uh, he, but he was always he when he did his when he did his sort of turn, he then led it from there. So he was sort of the guy. Then after that, when any other new player came in, he was the first one to nail them on it. You know, he would be straight in there, he'd tap on the table at dinner, and he would be like, "Right, you, you're up, and you know, and and, and get on with it," sort of thing. Do so you, he led it really. Do you remember what he sang? No, I, mean, I can't remember what he sang. No. It certainly wasn't Serbian. It was uh, it was English, but yeah. but a lot of the young kids were really into it. I mean, they're massively into the music. I mean, even when you talk about music, yeah. dressing room music. Yeah. Wow, how bad is that these days? <laughs> certainly for me, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. But it's just boom boom all the time, and yeah. and it gives me an headache. You know, so I end up you know as soon as it goes on, and you you always know who's playing what because they have their soundtracks now or yeah. they have their their little bits so it, it could be Scott McTominay maybe has played something it's his turn or Bruno or whatever and it just flips from one extreme to the other so I just end up walking out and going out onto the pitch and try trying to get my mindset on the football makes, match rather than the boom boom that, music that makes sense because when I was doing matches pitch side and you were at Manchester United I would see you just sitting there but I'd now come I out know, with a cup of tea and sit yes, in the dugout. Now I yeah. know why you did that. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was, was because of the that music. Was to keep my sanity. Understood. <laughs> okay, now it makes sense. Obviously, anybody you've seen join a club and they just killed it on stage, like amazing singer. To be honest, they always talk about that, and I never experienced. Never. It. And, not and even at Liverpool. No, even at Liverpool, never happens to me, and never I seen a teammate doing it either. So very strange because it's very popular. It's been very popular, even when yeah, I was playing yeah. in other clubs, they were doing it. Privately, they all fancy themselves as great singers, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we've, we've, all, we've all experienced that ourselves, haven't we? Shower when we've been in the house or on yeah. and on, or in the shower or the bath. Um, and, and you can always sort of, you go into one, don't you? And you, you start to really sing it. But then when they actually listen to themselves when they're in front of people, it's absolutely a mess sometimes. No, I think it? you could pull off a Sinatra my way. <laughs> I think you could. Big Sam, Big Sam was a good singer, by the way. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he, uh, he loved a little performance. Yeah, he could, he could, yeah, he could, he could, yeah, but he could, uh, he could sing a good tune. 
You know what they used to do in in Spain, in Celta Vigo, when you were the new player, they used to, you used to pay a dinner for the whole team. So you come, have all the food together and you pay the the Even if you're like a young player like you were at Celta? When I won, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. probably weren't earning that much yet, were you? No, that much in that time, no. And you were on loan, yeah. just like your first proper season, and you're buying dinner. Yeah. Did you yeah. split it with David Silva, who was also <laughs> on loan? <laughs> no, to be honest, I paid one and David Silva paid another okay. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems harsh, yeah. because you're young, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It feels harsh. What did you buy? I remember in, in, in Vigo, you can eat many places like beef and all of that, but they loved it to bring to the dressing room. They bring one guy to cook jamón. Obviously, yeah. typical Ooh. Spanish. Yeah. So a very, very good jamón. The guy came, cut the jamón. So you buy a proper, proper jamón and a very, very good few different cheeses. And you put in the dressing room after the game. But you spend, I don't know, 500, 600 euros. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, for, for the jamón, it's yeah, for the, you, for the jamón was 500 euros, yeah. you know? So, and then for the cheese, another extra. So obviously, it was a long time ago. That was in Celta Vigo. But I remember. But it was nice because you paid and you know the other ones are going to pay it as well. So it was fine. And then actually it became something that we used to do every week, a team that loses. So we used to play same teams in yeah. the training and then whoever is losing. I always more remember games. when you talk about like that Spanish influence, I always remember after, after games you would go into the opponent's manager's office or they'd come into yours and there was always a, a little bit of a food area, you know, and, and, and depending on which part of the country or Whichever club you were going to, you know, you would get pies, you would get, you would get uh, sandwiches, and then you would get chicken wings and things like that. And then all of a sudden, you went, it started to change a little bit. So you'd go to Arsenal, you'd go to Man City and places like that, and you would get, like, tapas, or yeah. you would get the ham on and, and the cheeses, yeah, yeah. and sort of Man City, Pep's sort of influence in, in, in that sort of It was all laid out, it was a nice sliced yeah, ham yeah, with, yeah. with bits of bread and... So it completely changed yeah. from sort of the, the pies and the sausage rolls to, well, to, to something you know, completely I, different. I can chip in here from my experience from the media side. Uh, Arsenal, superb. Their food with the media is superb. Chelsea, the same. United, a bit more old school, I have to be honest, yeah, yeah. with what they offer the media. Yeah. Uh, it's not to everyone's fancy. And City are not Liverpool. bad. Liverpool are more traditional as well, but they, they've renamed some of their things. Like the chicken is like cop chicken or something. I yeah. can't remember. When, how far ago, so how long ago was that with Liverpool? Because it changed a lot now. Last season? Ah, last season, yeah. yeah. The one who you, you would know is Tony Pulis, who you've had yes. on, on one of your shows. You, uh, and Big Sam as well. And but Tony, at Stoke City, after the game, he invited you into what was their sort of boardroom in a way. But it wasn't for the board, it was for Tony and his staff. But when you went in, it was a full meal, a full course meal. So it was meat, uh, potatoes, chips. It was a proper, proper meal. And it always offered that to every every manager and his staff before. I mean, we used to dine out on that when we, we'd go to Stoke and it's only an hour from Stoke back to Manchester. So we'd leave the players on the bus and the manager would say, right, come on, it's the best meal in town, this one. And we'd go and tuck yeah. into the meal. Nice. But it was great because you had a chat and it was a nice friendly environment and, and a good, you know, really good down to earth, honest talk after the game, just over some, some food. Some food.
What a yeah, nightmare nice. place to, to go. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Wow, yeah. What a, what a, <laughs> not just for difficult, the ground because huh? it's winning, no, it's how he used to play. Yeah, you difficult know? games. Uh, it's a game that every everyone that, it was, you know, you could play against United, other games that they were difficult, you know, and you would say, yeah, it's fine, but I want to play this game. But you against Stoke, nobody wanted to play yeah. in Stoke. It's a great yeah, atmosphere there. there. Great atmosphere, atmosphere, but it was really emotional atmosphere and. And, and then, and then, and the and then there was a bit of the weather because yeah, the, yeah. the, the ground's quite high up yeah. and then the pitch altered its size now and again, which was Tony's way of doing yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Then throw-ins everywhere into yeah. the area, you it, know, big It was intense, it was intense. It was very intense. The, the lap throw, the yeah. world-famous Roy the lap yeah. throw. I've, I've worked with quite a few of the Stoke boys. Uh, Charlie Adam was here last week. Uh, Matt Upson, Danny Higginbottom, Robert Hoof. They had some good players who could big. really, really be difficult to play against, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah. I think but they was, were good players, they were good. Danny that said they had the tallest back four in the country. Yeah, definitely. They were big, big units. Yeah. I, I got to ask though, as a Spaniard, and I've been to Spain, lovely food, fantastic food. Yeah. What were your thoughts when you first sat down and had, I don't know, a, a sausage roll in England? <laughs> a growler, meat, yeah. meat pie. Well, yeah, exactly, a <laughs> meat pie. What, what I thought about it. What, you, what did you think of English food the first time you have it? had it, having come from Spain. Truth? Honestly? Yeah! <laughs> you know, it's, it's a podcast, you can swear whatever you want, it doesn't matter. Uh, it wasn't the best, let's say it that way. Puta madre! Yeah, puta madre, okay. it wasn't puta madre. It, was, it wasn't, obviously used to, it's not because I'm Spanish, if, if in Spain the food wasn't right, I would say it, you know, but it's true that in Spain you have so much variety, so, so nice, in Valencia especially, you have your oranges, for example, for your fresh orange juice in the morning here. I go to the training ground and say, here you have your orange juice. And it's your orange juice for a, from a bottle like that, <laughs> yeah. that you can have on your feet for six months. Yeah, yeah. And it's fine. You know? <laughs> you know, and they say, no, this, they say, this is no orange. This is no orange, you know? And then things like that, you know, it's, it's, it's different. I thought like, but now sometimes I eat it, my wife, I understand English loving it because I think if you grow with it, you know, my, my wife love a good pie, you know, scones. I actually scones, I like scones, I have to say. When I, my first time I had them was in Newcastle and in a shop center there. And I actually like them a lot, the, the scones. But the rest, fish and chips, all of that is, they should. They yeah, the French them. boys, the French <laughs> boys when they came to United, you know, they, they could never get their head around Laurent Blanc and, and, and Fabio Partes. They couldn't get used to the beans, the baked beans. They could not understand what a baked bean was, you <laughs> well, know. To be honest, because it's actually that I like. To, to, beans, to, I like they looked at baked beans and they were disgusted <laughs> with the baked beans because obviously, well, the French are pretty particular on the food as well, yeah, yeah. you know. And, and but they they expected them to be cooked from from scratch, you know. But they didn't come out of a tin. <laughs> yeah, know? they couldn't understand that. Got anything, anything. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, it's something bad. I forgot about it. I like that. In toast with cheese. You like uh, that, yeah? yeah? Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised. See? I'm 10 years yeah. with an English woman. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. I guess you have to you like know, it. Your I, son is half have, English. Even right? if I don't like it, I have to say I like it. And it's, easy to make. This. it's easy yeah. to make toast, beads, you know? It's a comfort yeah. food. No, it's yeah. an easy it's comfort easiest, food. Easiest one. Yeah. I'm sure before you got married and you were alone in Norwich, you probably had that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know how good a cook you are, actually. I could be doing you a discredit here. Amazing pastors. I also got to know, and I, I, this is just flashed back in my head, your former teammate, Lee Sharp, was with me, and he said Cantona pretended not to speak English for the first <laughs> few months he was at Manchester United, right? And so he knew exactly what everyone was saying, but he just played dumb until one day it was revealed he could speak English. Did you ever pull that 
on anybody? I know you didn't speak English when you got to Newcastle, but as you slowly learned it, did you pretend that you still couldn't speak it? No, but I seen someone like me, uh, the opposite. Mili, for example, Milner, he could speak Spanish better than we all saw, and he was like, I don't understand the properly, and get close to us and see what he say. Yeah, that happened, but not to me. To me, I didn't understand English, okay. and I didn't. I you think know, I would. If I if I could speak a language, I probably wouldn't let anybody know. I'd just, I'd just like to hear what <laughs> yeah. they say. But, you know what they're saying about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, then listen. It's true. For example, Millie, he used to that, and now he knows Spanish. He, yeah, actually, he actually have a house in Spain as well. So I know that for a fact that he speaks Spanish really well. But for me, for example, I can't if I speak the language. As soon as I start to learn English, I wanted to speak with my teammates and everything. I think it depends on the personality as well. Yeah. Any players? I mean, Cantona is what Lee shot. Is that what you gathered from Cantona? Nah, he was, that was his demeanor most of the time. You know, he didn't have to say anything, Cantona. He just sat there and you looked at him. You know, he had that that attraction to most people. You know, so he he, he kept uh, he kept very very quiet. But the the beauty of that being quiet is that when he did speak, everybody listened. They sat up and listened. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? So uh, where you get some that never stop talking and you want to tell them to stop talking, please, because you're yeah, annoying yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. He he was very reserved in, in everything he did, but that was part of his part of his personality. He was saying the same I, thing about Gerard. Exactly. I was and obviously he was acting because he went into acting after. Yeah, he, yeah, so he must true. have been. It was all an act. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. Gerard hasn't started acting yet, but you said the same thing. Yeah, Stevie, Stevie was a little bit like that as well. I believe probably with his closest people, like maybe probably Cantona, probably there would be very good speakers and people in the dressing room. Is someone that definitely. He, when when he was speaking, it was for a reason of something. Yeah, you know, and you will listen. The reason him. the reason we were discussing it was I saw um, an interview Stuart Downing gave. I think it was Stuart Downing. I might be wrong, but it was a former player, and he was saying Craig Bellamy was just being horrific to, to Kenny Dalglish on the touchline, being brought on as a sub, saying he should have brought me on earlier. I would have done this. I would have done that. I'm fast. Blah blah yeah, blah. That sounds about right with yeah. Craig. Yeah, I knew him when he was a kid. Oh, did you? Yeah, he was at Norwich. He came to Norwich when he was a kid, and he oh, he knew the game. When he was 17, he, he, he could oh. he, he could not stop talking, you know, and he, yeah. knew, he knew everything at 17, you know, he was he was that type of. <laughs> I know it all. And he probably still does now, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was just his way of doing things. That was his personality, yeah. you know, and he would tell you who's good, who's bad, you know, and he's part of your teammate. And, he's honest. And all that, he was right up front. Sometimes too honest. You know? Too honest. Yeah, <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit open, but obviously he's matured now, you know. Well, it, Gerard just walked over and said, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Walked off. And I think Stuart Downing said the exact words where he's never seen anyone melt so fast yeah. in their life. And more Bellamy. Like, he doesn't shut up against anybody. Yeah. You know? Even if he was small, he would fight yeah, the biggest right. guy in the, yeah. in the team. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah. Well, we know the story, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> final, final few things here. What's the advice you would give to anybody who's a foreign player coming to the Premier League to adapt, like, as you did? What's the advice you would give? Now that you're an agent, what do you say? Or would you say to a player? Not even as an agent, as an ex-former player that I play there, definitely learn the language. I think it's, it's key thing to get yourself involved there. It works, it works both ways, because Woodgate 
they loved him at Real Madrid because he learned the language, right? Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he's he's really needed, but not just in England. I think even when you go to Spain, when you go to places that they are important languages, that actually you wanna be able to use them after. Uh, I think it's very important. And English, for me, was a mistake. Something that obviously I didn't expect to go to Newcastle. And in that time, in Spain, didn't really teach English so well. Now, it's a lot of schools, really, that you do maybe 60-70% of your, uh, all your class is in English, in Spain. So they really know, you know, it's so massive, this is different. Yeah. So really definitely, different. so definitely learn the language and make sure you enjoy it because it's a privilege to be in the Premier League. I know people complain about the weather and about this and about that, but playing the Premier League is another level. So make sure you enjoy it because when you're a player, you know how we are. We Every, every, well, human beings, I think we complain, always have something to complain about, <laughs> yeah. you know? And in the Premier League, it rains here, I remember Di Maria, you know, when he tossed his wife and this. Listen, you're playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world, you know, fans, every... I don't remember the year, the last decision I got at Liverpool, 95 or 96% of attendance to the stadiums, in total, in general, in the Premier League. That doesn't happen anywhere. So, my advice would be learn the language, first of all, and then make sure you enjoy your time there because it's, it's the best league in the world. Yeah, uh, and if, if they're a Spanish player, are Mata's restaurants or Guardiola's restaurants, are they good? I Have didn't try that one. I used to try Mendieta's restaurant. Oh, Gaisca. Gaisca. Yeah. But it's closed <laughs> because of COVID. I think it's closed. Yeah, eh? a lot of them have been. No, but I could tell them my brother's restaurant. My brother have one Spanish restaurant actually there. One ah. of my brothers. Because oh. one of my brothers lives in Liverpool. I'll be going there. Let me know yeah. the name, please. Esto es España, Esco. Esto. 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 España. So this is Spain. This is Spain. Yeah. Oh, I'll be looking out for it. Yeah, but it's good. Hey, if you watch it, I will tell you. I say, listen, <laughs> yeah, my yeah. brother, but the food is, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. I love him, you know, but it's, uh, but, the, but, but it's actually really nice food and it's improved a lot. And the restaurant is very nice. When you there, let me know. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. I, I, you will enjoy. For sure. Um, I'll be looking it up. Any advice do you have to give? I think that's coming. very good advice, actually, you know, that you need to come wholeheartedly, you know, that yeah. you're going to give everything you possibly can to uh, to the country that you're going in. Languages are different, uh, difficult, but um, a lot of players now have travelled before. It's, it's very, yeah. probably the younger ones now are the ones that are least experienced uh, when they come to a new club. But the older ones come with four, five, maybe six languages now. Yeah. Because they've picked up little bits like Portuguese and, and Spanish and, and, and a little bit of German, you know, now he's, he's, he's creeping in. And then obviously you get you, you get the bit of Portuguese or the Brazilian. The Brazilians are a mixture of, yeah. of, yeah. of Portuguese and Spanish and, and whatever you so it's a really a really important time for them to, to settle into the culture like we would have to do if we were if we were moving around uh, but for players i think players now don't really travel on their own they travel with other people yeah so maybe families or maybe people around them you know they have agents so agents now put people in sort of in and around them to live maybe with them or or next door to them yeah that type of thing so they bring a little bit of their culture with them which is great that's the important thing that they bring Spanish to to England yeah. and and or they bring Korean, you know that like we had G and and people like that that they bring that to to the table. We had one, we had one guy um, who came from China. His name was Dong, Fancy yeah. Dong. Yeah. And he was a young boy who, who who came from China, but he had to go to Belgium first, and then he came into United and and sort of came in during pre-season because it was the the visa 
thing and everything like that. So he could play in Europe, but he couldn't play in England, but he was a Man United player. And I always remember his, his culture. His culture was very, you know, eat, sleep and drink football. But when he ate, he ate for China. Do you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> he was everything. And I used to watch him at the, at the, the table and he used to get the noodles and everything. And, and, and he would literally do a bottle of noodles in 20 seconds. Do you know what I mean? It was like, wow, 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 wow. And it was gone. It was as if it was his last meal. And then he'd go on and, and watching him eat an egg. Oh, he could eat a full egg, you know, like a raw egg or a... And he used to just chopsticks, scoop that straight in. Yeah. And I was like, wow, how'd you do that? <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But it was the whole thing. And, and I, I just like all that different culture and watching people how they do. But he never went hungry, that's yeah. for sure. I don't know <laughs> if he played many United games, but he certainly never went hungry. And something, another advice that he more or less mentioned the same thing is, is that what he say, Mike say at the end, you need to adapt to them. They don't need to adapt to you. That's a key message because sometimes you go there, like you said, you bring your Spanish people and everything like that. And it's like, you think that the club maybe needs to adapt. No, you go into another country, you need to adapt to yeah. their culture. You need to adapt to their style of doing things. And it's different because for example, for me, when I arrived to Newcastle, like I told you about Sam, the training is all completely different. It's not his mistake. That's the way he used to be, the things. Yeah. It's me who I need to adapt to him because he's my manager. So that's, I think, something that they need to do. People, when they leave their country and you go to another country, it's true that now it's different. It's a lot of foreign managers everywhere, very, a lot of the ball. But in that time, I remember waking up at 7 o'clock in the morning with Sam Allardyce, you know, without breakfast, in precision, and going boxing. And you say, what I'm doing boxing for, you know, it's nothing to do with football and boxing in the back like that pump, yeah. pump, 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 for an hour, you know, like, and you go like, why? Like in that time, you are 21 again, you think you know everything, but then you have to realize that, well, is that way? To I do think it? also you it's difficult as well because everybody has an accent in England. I don't know whether that's the same in, in Spain yeah, or whatever, but, but there's accents and they're difficult for, for overseas players to, well, like to understand. Like Alex. And people, phrases, you know, because yeah. we have certain sayings and, you know. Squeaky bum time. Yeah, and then they will, you know, you, they'll come to you and say, well, what does that mean? I don't understand that. I don't get that, you know. And and, and, and it's difficult sometimes to explain what it, what it means to somebody who doesn't really get it or something that may be funny. So, you know, you may, you may say something funny, but to that person, it's not, it's funny. not funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true, that's true. Because I, I was going to just say this uh, as, a, as a final question, the final, final question. Carragher, did you understand him when you met him? Well, no. Not him and not Flanagan. Flanagan was, but in that time I spoke English. So yeah, exactly. I, I, I could speak with everyone. And I remember actually one day getting mad to Flano because we were, we were in the ice bath after a training. And I started talking to him and said, I don't understand. I said, Listen, I speak with every single person here at the club. <laughs> and I speak English perfect. So I believe sometimes they don't want, because I remember Carragher having problems in, in, in Sky Sports at the start because people in TV, they couldn't understand him too much because of, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. of the Scouser accent. And he adapt to it. So if they want as well, you, you can understand each yeah. other. You understand? That's what I think. They have their accent, I have my accent. But if you want to understand each other, I think you under, if you speak the language, obviously, I think you can understand each other, but me and Flano, for example, it was impossible. Sit down in the ice bath, talking to him, impossible, talking to Dejan Lovren or Hendo and having a conversation. I talk to him, I don't know what you mean, talking to them. 
the same <laughs> yeah. language and they understand me you don't yeah. I think the problem is yours not mine <laughs> you know what I mean so that's that's the issue if you speak the language I think the accent because in Spain it's, it's a lot of you go to the south the accent is completely different yeah, Catalonia, Valencia, we Catalonia, had a, we had a play Anderson yeah and Brazilian but even when he spoke with the Brazilians and the Portuguese guys, they couldn't even understand it. <laughs> because he made, he, some of the language he used was, was a, a, a dialect from his area, which was a mixture of so many different... So he could, he could speak Portuguese, he's Brazilian, but then he would throw little English words in as well into the same conversation. <laughs> and it was, it, so the, the, all the other the guys that you would expect to understand him we're like, wow, he's on another planet here. He's speaking something that we don't even understand. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and that, but that was he was a great guy. Yeah, Anderson was a fabulous guy. But he um he just had these moments when he could talk, 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 and everybody would be just like, Wow, what's what's he talking about? And these was his fellow countrymen sometimes, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. So it just shows you even in, in, in Brazil, I mean there's it's massive Brazil Huge. and there's a lot yeah, yeah, of yeah. different things going on there. But even his, his own people were, were sort of, wow, where, where's that one come from, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's really interesting now. It's, it's far more interesting now to have the cultures and the players and the challenges, obviously, to bring it all together. But uh, I think at one point we had 19 different different nationalities in one dressing room, which is huge, yeah. you know? When it probably, when Jose went to Newcastle, it probably was one of the only few. Yeah. Overseas players to be there, and then the oh, rest of them were no, probably even the managers. The manager, most of them, they yeah. were English managers. So yeah, so really. you know, it is a strange environment to go into, but it's a challenging one, and you get through it, oh. or you don't. You know, if you don't, you don't stay there. But I think it's a perfect way to end because we're on TV in less than forty-five minutes, forty minutes from now. But speaking of different cultures, I'm Malaysian, bit of Scottish. We got a man from Valencia and a man from Burnley, all sitting here in one room having a conversation. Yeah, so. Exactly. I think that also speaks volumes. I would like to think we all understand each other too. I think we do, yeah. I just, think we do. Just about. Talking football is easy. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And all we know. It's true. It's true. Uh, thank it's you for watching Squeaky Bum Time. Uh, more in the not too distant future. I can promise you that.